Perpetual dining is using, okay, so we need to understand a couple of basic concepts. One is, is that the breath holds harmonics. Mm -hmm. And the breath is the first thing you do when you're born and the last thing you do when you transition. Mm -hmm. The breath holds within it every single capacity that's required for you uh, to do anything. Heal yourself, move up in consciousness, move down in consciousness. Once you understand how your breathing works and the harmonics in your breath work, you can understand how the energy of your body works, and then you can start to use it to, um, this is in one of the books that's just come out by William Trent and myself, um, it talks about hemoglobin and how oxygen um, allows you to create a expanded environment within yourself, okay? Once you know how to do that, you start to move into a heterodyne state, and those heterodyne states allow you to populate that with consciousness, and then you can start to see and feel out for other consciousness around you. Now, initially, you got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always wonderful to be with you all again and please remember if you're liking the shows to hit that like button hit the subscribe button share the shows with your friends and leave us a comment let us know what you think well today look I have these two beautiful amazing human beings who are in Australia on the show <laughs> today Paul Hamden and Cyan welcome to the show thank you and we're going to have some fascinating conversation today let me read the bio Paul and Cyan are both lifelong contactees of the Zeta race with clear conscious recall of all their contacts without needing regression therapy to recall their experiences. Paul's earliest memories of being visited are from 18 months old. And in 1978, Paul and three friends witnessed what is now referred to as Tic Tac craft, no more than 10 metres away. In 2013, in New South Wales, which is a state in Australia for people who are overseas listening to this, Paul arranged for a craft to come and it physically landed within 20, with 20 people present. Yep. Sian's <laughs> earliest memories of contact with the Zetas are from around four years old when she was introduced to a small boy of a similar age. She met the same boy on board craft several years later. This boy was Paul. She... <laughs> <laughs> Both she and Paul have the same shared memories of time on board craft as well as many other experiences on craft and with the Zetas. Around 25 years ago, Paul's relationship with the Zetas entered into a conscious two-way interactive training process. This resulted in facilitation of many healings by the Zetas for people with disease and physical injuries. Cyan has been undergoing this training for the past 15 years and in, is in the early stage of this process. And for the last six years, she has been working with them when she creates her art, embedding their energy into her paintings. They have regular visitations by the Cetus to their home, which we're going to talk about today, including craft visits, which are experienced photographed and recorded by others. 
Through Paul, the Zetas have communicated much information over the years, which has been studied by scientists, resulting in the co-authorship and publication of many books by retired ex-government communication scientists, such as A Primer of the Zeta Race and The Zeta Interviews. The latest book, The Zeta Mind, is a short handbook for individuals who wish to learn how to safely contact extraterrestrial races. Mm -hmm. So exciting. And your website is the-zeta-connection.com. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to say, and I know it. <laughs> Trips us up all the time. Fine. What's hard to say? The, the, the zeta-connection-.com or something. Something like that. Something like that. I was looking. I was looking at that, and I was thinking. Obviously, the zetaconnection.com was already taken. No, it, it's. Uh, I've set it up so that you can just type that in. Yeah, yeah, it should work with both if you just put it in. But mm. anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, let's explore what happened in the beginning. So it obviously says in the bio, Paul, that you were 18 months old. What was happening? I remember, you know, like a lot of people that are contacted, you know, from the very beginning, you, you'll get to see beings walking around your room uh, but as a child you've got no uh, comparative processes so there are no way for you to be able to go well this is a human this is this this is that it doesn't work that way and so generally you're accepting of any beings that come into the room it doesn't matter how they look and that's what happened and so generally when I sort of hit five years old that I started to um, uh, be able to OBE and astral travel um, and also I was being taken up on craft all the time, um, taken out of a locked house as well and left in the front yard when they leave. That was interesting. So there's a lot, there's a lot to this. Um, I'm trying to actually uh, write a book at the moment about it and there's over 200 uh, cognizant uh, contacts that I've got, clear contacts. So... It's really um, interesting to try to stitch it all together because I've never really tried. And Sian, what about you? Do you what, what are your memories when you're a child? Mm, I mean, my, my first memories of, uh, of the Zetas is, as I said, when I was four, four and a half years old, and mm. I, um, they, they didn't show themselves to me as they look then. They instead did what they typically do with very young contactees and found an image in my mind that uh, I would accept as friendly. Um, mm. I didn't have the level of contact that Paul did. So they they first showed themselves to me as uh, six-foot rabbits, uh, which is always amusing to even say. <laughs> but for my entire life, I've had this really bizarre recall of, of uh, walking down in the uh, hallway of where I used to live when I was that age. Uh, it's the middle of the night, everyone's in bed and I'm, I'm up for some reason. I'm walking down the, the hall and there by the entrance to the lounge is this six foot, maybe taller uh, person dressed as a bunny rabbit as far as I was concerned. And I wasn't confronted by that in any way. I was quite happy with that. And um, the next instant recollection is being in my lounge sat on the ground on, on the carpet um playing just playing a game with a, a boy of a very similar age just sat in front of me and around us were six of these tall rabbits just watching not doing anything not interacting just very static you know mm. uh, just observing 
and uh, and I was he, the, the boy gave me a small toy. Um, I remember that so very clearly. And uh, for weeks after that, I woke up the next morning, and for weeks later, I was hunting high and low for that toy. Where is the toy, Mum? Where was the toy? Could never find it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You you had, had the same things. thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you would. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of years later, like it says in the bio. I, I had a very um, complicated uh, screen memory event take place, which ultimately resulted in uh, when when the screen memory dropped, I um, again was with Paul on the craft, and then I could see the beings as they truly mm. looked, and that was that's a whole uh, whole different story. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that could take an hour to explain it itself. That one. <laughs> you say they're tall. What do they look like to you when you see them now, now that the screen memories are not there? Are, are they tall greys? Are they short? Yeah, I mean, some of them are three foot tall, some of them are four foot, some are five, some are six, some are seven foot tall. Okay. Um, so there's all different heights. Um, there's all different colours as well um, within a, with a colour range, within a hmm. scale. Um, you know, there, there are many, you know, when people think of the, the grey species, we call them Zetas because that's where they're from, the Zeta reticuli. It's a 63, or is it 64? 63. 63 uh, races of that one grey species. You know, they all look different. Yeah. Sometimes the, the difference is very subtle and then mm. sometimes it's very overt. Um, yeah. Mm. I think that's the problem is that a lot of people... So the 62 of the races that are actually working together and there's one of the races which is classed as the abductors and they're the ones that aren't part of the collective consciousness of the race. So they're the ones that are seen as being the ones that are doing all the abductions. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other races are also contacting their own, their own hybrids on planet. And so there's this real mixture up, mm -hmm. mixture of and, and confusion about, yeah, look, people say, you know, these we're being abducted. Other people say, well, hang on, we're being contacted. We, you know, th there's this difference. Mm. And once you work out which race it is that's contacting you, then you can work out whether it's being done by free will or not free will. Interesting. Uh, I'd, love, I'd love you to go into that, it being done by free will or not free will. From my understanding, from my understanding, talking with spirit, that anything that's happening to us along those lines has been a soul agreement before we've even incarnated into a physical human body, into this into this dimension but then of course we come into the veil of forgetfulness and we forget all these soul agreements and so it looks like that it's not your will to be abducted yeah. so what do you mean by free will or not free will yeah you see these agreements that that we make and we work you know we're mediums you work with spirits all the time and we see this being said by spirits and by communicators and all this but but a lot of extraterrestrials they don't they don't abide by that they just do whatever they want and so although a person has all these agreements with guides, spirits, whatever, loved ones, the oversoul and spirit realm, when they come, they have a macro overview of what they believe is going to take place in their life. But the micro is when the person individuates their walk, their own uh, consciousness into, into the pathway. Then what happens is there are beings that are actually monitoring what some humans do. Now, those beings specifically uh, reptilians and other races, they're not interested at all in anybody's free will. Uh, and this is the problem with spiritualism. It tries to encompass everything and say, well, this is all just, you know, free will and that. 
And then people bring up some really difficult questions in regards to, well, why did this happen to me? And I say, well, that's because your free will was broken. It's got nothing to do with the contracts that you've made. And this, is, this goes against what a lot of people want to know. They don't want to know this stuff. Yeah. yeah. First time I spoke with you, Paul, it was a few years ago. Okay. And I, I think I met you in a, in a Facebook group and I reached out to you to share your experiences and you didn't want to talk publicly about it. Do you want yeah. to talk about why? Yeah. Um, the contact uh, was developing and it was confronting to say the least. I know we work with a lot of people, a lot of people, and a lot of them are really struggling. So they're being contacted nearly 24 hours a day. They've got physical evidence of that all the way through to the you know range of people that are just seeing a light in the sky. So when you're developing yourself uh, or you, you're trying to work through what's going on around you, I mean, you're challenging you know, your psychological structure. You're trying to work through is that what is real, what isn't real? How am I going to get evidence from this? And so I started to realise that if, if I was going to in any way understand what was going on around me, I needed to document everything first. I needed to evidence it all. And so when we work with the people now, we say the same thing to them. We say, listen, if you don't document this or if you just allow yourself to just channel information and that information is never evidenced, then your mind can, can mirror image the uh, abduction process or the contact process and you'll end up just believing everything that you tell yourself. And they'll allow that to happen as well. They, they know because this is, we talk about this when we do our uh, discussions online with people. There's the extraterrestrials and then what's around them is the phenomenon. And the phenomenon is very strong. It's like a rabbit sitting on a road, seeing a car come down with the headlights on all I can see is the lights at that point. But really with the phenomenon, that what it's doing is generating that, that field, that information, and we have to try to look through it to see what's behind the lights. Mm. And that takes a massive amount of effort. The phenomenon for most people is downloads, channeling, everything. But if I said to a person, okay, so you're channeling, that's great. Ask the beings that's channeling through you for five strong pieces of evidence that they will give you that you will be able to say, look, that actually happened in my life. And they would have to give a time frame for that. And a lot of people won't do it. They refuse to. They do not want to challenge their own contact. And I challenged my contact. Um, and that's why I didn't want to talk to people publicly because I wanted to make sure that I was getting the information that it was correct. Yeah, and when you yeah. when you essentially dedicate your entire life to helping other people with the information that you're receiving and the contact that you're having on a daily basis, yeah. you have to be able to rely on what you're, you are experiencing. If you can't rely upon it, then how can you possibly give anyone any help? Yeah, we deal with some fairly sophisticated problems, unfortunately. We do. <laughs> especially to do with embedded technologies and implants and not just what people think is, you know, we've got medically evidenced stuff. So. Okay. That's a whole, that's a whole other line of questioning. Um, I want to stay on topic. Uh, yeah. Now I'm, now I'm thinking about what you've just said. So the, the implants are from humans or from 
the Zetas or from other races? No. There's many, many races. There's many yeah. races, and a lot of them use etheric technologies in people. And what happens is when you say evidenced or medical evidence, what you're saying is, is that a person would have sort of been diagnosed with something and have that medically evidenced. Mm. You then go do some work with them, and it turns out that they may have some sort of energetic issue. That's then removed. They then go back, get their, uh, go to a qualified medical practitioner, and it turns out that that um, unwellness is now gone completely. So the embedded technology is, is making people sick? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Always, yeah. And that's why a lot of the races at the moment um, are actually offering technology to humans, saying, oh, this will be, you know, this will make your life much better. This will heal you. This will, this, no, it doesn't. It, it actually does the complete opposite. What's the purpose of them putting that technology in people? Oh, it, it tracks humans. It, it allows them to channel energy from the human's body. It does lots of things. Mm, interesting. Because I've had a lot of people on the show talking about this and um, many of them say that the technology that they've got in their body is actually helping them. It heals them. It does give them a greater uh, awareness of um, their connection to the Star Nation people. Uh, Yeah, so I've had a lot of people say the the opposite, but, you know, everyone everyone's perspective. And and let me just clarify that. The technology in the past that was uh, given by races, and I mean in the past like 20 years ago, that actually did that, but the new technology, and this is the thing we have to understand, we're a species sitting on a planet surrounded by an infinite universe with possibly 200 million races out there. We're fair game. And you know what? If you want to take over a planet, all you've got to do is convince them that the technology that they're giving you is good for you. Mm. So what is your relationship with the Zeta race? What is your sole agreement or contract? Are you... Are you both people that have been incarnated in a Zeta uh, life and then you've volunteered to come to it? Like I'm putting words in your mouth. Tell tell us what your relationship is. There's 30% of the planet is hybrids. And uh, what I've had sort of disclosed to us through the Zetas is that um, in the beginning, a lot of people were having, um, you know, plugs, skin plugs taken from their legs, these sorts of things. And that was to do with um, the physical container and the consciousness that embeds that container. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a relationship with spirit realm coming in. You've got a relationship with extraterrestrials coming in. That creates a symbiotic relationship, which is the higher self. Uh, the uh, ET part of a person uh, has to discuss with the spirit component about free will, which is the good subject. And, of course, if the spirit person uh, wants to abide by that relationship with an ET, they create a hybrid consciousness. So there are lots of hybrid people on the planet. It's nothing unusual, nothing new, nothing special at all. Um, To be honest, the human species was actually created by extraterrestrials as well. So Mm -hmm. everybody's an extraterrestrial. So there there you go. Nobody's special. You know, it's great. It's really good. Nobody's special. Uh, And that's... The best part about that is, is that people can then say, well, okay, look, everybody's an ET generally, so let's get past that and let's start to make clear, proper, cognizant contact. And let's look at things like UAP disclosure, which is currently taking place, and the military actually putting out footage about craft. Because we've got two camps here. We've got uh, humans giving out information about craft, 
and all of the other stuff that goes with it. Like there's reporters that are giving out information. We've got Congress that's talking about UFOs now. And then we've got the woo crowd, which everything's love and light. Sorry, but everything's this and that. And, it's, and there's, where are the facts? Okay. And so what we need to do is we need to stitch this with this because at some point there's a middle ground and we and all of it all of us need to come together on this and we need to work out if this is true and that's true then why are people actually being abducted because today if um humans turn out and say look there is extraterrestrials we've got craft we've got bodies we've got this we've got that tomorrow everybody's going to walk outside and look at the sky and go well where are the et and then the other people that have all been abducted are going to come forward and say, well, if you guys knew that this was happening, why didn't you stop it? Why did you let it take place? So there's a lot to this. Sian, do you, do you have anything to say about that? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you've pretty much covered it. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we're already uh, working pretty hard uh, every day with, yeah lots of people who are trying to come to terms with the contact that they have and you know this whole disclosure process it's it's brilliant for many different reasons mm. it's frustrating for lots of reasons but we we look to the other side of disclosure and what yeah. that means for all the experiences and the contactees the abductees where does where does it leave them you know who who is going to be there to help all these people who finally feel they can come forward and say, yeah, this has happened to me as well. Yeah. You know, it's a very uh, difficult subject to understand and to get your head around. And to discuss as well. To even discuss with friends and family, you know, yeah. um, for, for most people who are experiencing the extreme end of it. And we talk to those the people at that extreme end on a very regular basis. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, disclosure is awesome, but... It, with it, it brings other issues that need to be addressed, I think, before uh, before it can happen. <laughs> One of the biggest issues is, is that a lot of people now, they're, they're really super interested in it and it's, it is a very interesting subject. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they start channeling. Now, they don't know why they're channeling, but they've had information come to them and they're part of this or they're part of that. And they didn't evidence anything. And next thing, something goes wrong. Now, I know that for a lot of people, it hasn't gone wrong for them and they won't understand what I'm about to say, but it does go wrong and it mm -hmm. goes wrong badly. And people give themselves over far too easily to these, this information, far too easily to, for these energetic presences that come to people. They don't question them, they don't validate them, they don't evidence them. And because of that, you've then got this situation where people that um, out of best intentions... Uh, one the contact that doesn't turn out that way and and unfortunately uh, for a, I wish people were seeing more of this uh, to actually ring some alarm bells about what's going on with people about why do people accept technology to, for contact you don't need to you've got everything within you the mm -hmm. capacity within you to contact beings that love you and care about you but why do people have to accept technology into them for contact and healing and these things, they just don't. Well, interestingly enough, I had that exact conversation with someone recently and it was because it gave the, the technology, much like we don't need the internet to communicate, we could communicate on the 
you know, yep. telepathic internet, but we don't know how to do that yet. So we're using technology and it's like training wheels. So as we're using our technology as humans, it's training us to have this telepathic and psychic connection with each other. And mm. then in the future, we'll get rid of the technology and we'll just use the technology in our consciousness, our consciousness technology. So that's exactly the conversation I had with someone about the technology that was implanted in them to have a stronger connection with their star nation family. Mm. And then as they um, develop that, that, consciousness technology that consciousness mm. ability the technology is no longer needed and they can take the implants out and but that's the question a valid that's the, a valid thing that some races do that yeah but there are other races that are taking advantage of that so somebody that hears you say that who doesn't have contact with that race that is a, a decent race will, will then allow that technology to come to them from a different race mm. thinking that that race is the one that's embedding them and this is where the problems are. There's no evidence. Yeah. We need to stop and before you think, accept Think about anything, what's going evidence. on. Yeah. yeah. But the question that I asked was, what is your connection with the Zeta race? Like, what is your agreement with them? What is, like, what is your relationship with them? Uh, the agreement is, is that we're authentic with them. And because of that... So, sorry, Which, say that again, Paul. The agreement is what? The agreement with them is that we are authentic with them and they are authentic with us, that they will evidence themselves to us when we ask them to, and they do. That's our agreement. Yep. Okay, so what was your agreement before you came, you incarnated? Because you've had contact since you were a baby. So there's obviously some agreement, some soul agreement that the two of you have had with the race like you've incarnated into a human form, you say that you're hybrids and there's obviously an agreement or a soul plan, a life plan that you've had with them. What is that? Do you, do you, and do you know that? Yeah. To be authentic with them. Okay. Okay. To be authentic with them, but to like reveal them to the human race, to help just people. To, just to be part, just to be part of the process. N nothing special, just mm -hmm. in there with everybody else in amongst the mess trying to sort it out with everybody and, and uh, understand that um, there's a wide range of contact, that's the first thing, mm -hmm. and that we have to work um, in, that, in that range of contact with people and that we have to provide clear, cognizant information to people about what is contact and it's up to people that, to then decide to accept or reject what's being said, like with everybody, and then work out if they're going to... Um, use those rule sets in their own contact, such as CE5. What type of rule sets are they going to use within CE5? Um, if they do that and then something happens, they're able to sit back and think about it with clarity um, as to what level of contact had actually taken place and what took place in the contact as well. That's what our job is. What is the Zeta agenda with the human race why are they making contact with humans mm. um, we're giving out a lot of scientific information um, the primary of the zeta race the zeta interviews um, scientific uh, consciousness a lot of people we get a lot of people that are reading these free books uh, contacting us saying that um, you know they've sort of found some answers in in their work from the zetas um, they're able to compare some of the work uh, in the books with 
other books that they've read as well, uh, and maybe other channelings. That's really good. That That's sort of evidential for them. We're just there saying, look, here's, here's the information from the Zetas. This is what they say. And uh, think about it, throw it away. If you don't want it, that's fine as well. Um, but here's something that is uh, based more on uh, sort of technical aspects of contact. What is contact? How do you actually create contact through heterodyning? We've talked about all these specific subjects. What is, what is uh, quanta? What is the fabric of, of the universe? Why do things work the way they do? It's all in the books and they're free. So, Yeah, I was reading some stuff on your website last night. The information coming through is incredible. It's like mind-blowing. It's amazing. But the question was, why are the Izetas contacting the human race? What is their agenda? So you've told me that you're creating, you know, you're getting information from them and you're offering it to humanity. What is their agenda? Well, that's that's why they've given the information. That's their agenda, to give that clear information. Yeah. So their agenda would be to help humanity evolve yep. consciously. Absolutely. Uh, to help humanity evolve consciously, to um, to teach people about consciousness technology. Yeah. Yeah. And from, from Azita's perspective, but we're very clear here, they say all the time, nobody needs technology that you have within you, within your consciousness, every single ability that is required for you to heal yourself, make contact, speak to source. You have everything that you need within you. You do not need anyone to give something to you and embed it into you or any type of technologies that are external to you that you have bought everything with you. You bought all of your symbols with you, all of your communication processes, everything. The only thing you need to do is remember that you have. And when you remember that you have, then you don't need any of that other stuff. And that's what they're, that's what they're saying quite clearly. Yeah, but when I say consciousness technology, I mean the technology of our consciousness. Yeah. And Not, I, I, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, look, I agree. I had Susie Hansen on the show a few times. Do you know Susie Hansen? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, she came out and spoke in Sydney and she was talking about the technology that they're developing, which they're giving to the human race to help us with healing. And one of the technologies, stuff that's coming out now, which is like a handheld X-ray machine that can that can look at the blood vessels, can look at the bones, you can sort of switch it and it can look at the different components inside, like a little, like it looks like a mm. hairbrush. And, and then I'm sitting there thinking, you know, they have the ability, which I have to, to look inside the body with their technology. Like you have an x-ray machine in your head, right? Why do you need an external, you know, why are they developing this technology to give to humanity or helping humanity develop it? And she said exactly the same thing we discussed. It's a stepping stone. You know, they don't need that technology. They're developing it for us. It's a yep. stepping. It's a stepping stone. Like as we're moving into the understanding that we have everything we need within yep. us, within our consciousness, to yep. travel the cosmos, to look inside bodies, to do healing, to contact, mm. uh, you know, telepath, to communicate telepathically, to contact you. But we don't get that, you know. So it's like baby steps for the human race to teach them. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and that's why it's really important. Like as a teacher that you are that um, when people come to you and they ask you about how do you make contact, you say with evidence and validation and with clarity and that you have all of your abilities within you to do that. Yes, absolutely. Look, some of the stuff that I was reading last night, it just blew my mind. I actually sent it to Kevin. Do you know Kevin? 
Kevin Briggs, who has um, had, yeah, I know Kevin. you know, Kevin, uh, I said, read this, read this on, on the website. And so I wanted to talk about some of the things that you wrote about, um, about their race, you know, how they live, how they eat, reproduce, how they think, uh, because it's very different to the way we do. And um, yeah, do you want to sort of discuss some of those things? How, how do they, how do they eat? Let's talk about how they eat. Um, well, they don't. That, that's the first thing. I mean, would you would you like to talk? You know a lot about this. Mm -hmm. Would you like to talk about this? Mm -hmm. Go on. You talk they're, they're vegan. They don't eat meat. They they eat uh, the fruits of plant, like so a tomato rather than the tomato plant fruits, uh, fruit yielding plants, mm -hmm. and it's by agreement. Um, they they don't consume it by mouth. They they do have a, a stomach, but from a very long time ago. It's mm. totally non-functional. They have a tongue, but it doesn't work. Again, it's a remnant from an earlier stage of their physical evolution. Um, they instead uh, create a, a paste, a clear liquid paste from the material, and they, they generally just rub it on their skin. And it's allocated per being on planet or craft. Mm. Uh, based on the uh, capacity to provide for the race in, in that particular place on that day. It's all calculated, it's all individuated for that particular being's needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And so they're very much cognizant of the planet's ability to uh, recuperate. Mm -hmm. And so they only give out the um, nutritional value that the planet's able to give uh, as, as for the species. So it could be that today you don't get as much as you got yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so from the, their perspective as eaters, they're very much in service to others, always in service to others. So I'll give you an example of healing. When they heal people, they'll take onto themselves that um, energetic instability within the etheric body of the person. They'll, the person, the human, will become well, but the zeta will just transmute that unwellness into just a different type of energy. So they give of themselves all of the time. That's the difference. Mm. Um, they're absolutely, and they say that in being service to others continually, that actually in some way you're in service to self because if everybody around you is looked after, and they are also looking after you. And so it's not just one or the other, service to others, service to self, it's all things. Mm. It, it's a combined effort of consciousness. And so they race... They're very much uh, a very peaceful race. Um, I've been with them many, many times. Um, there's just no words spoken by them. We've got, when they're in the house, they uh, make clicking noises that we've recorded. So we have conversations with them. Uh, they um, are very uh, non-aggressive, completely non-aggressive. They um, speak to each other, obviously, telepathy. But their um, uh, telepathy is developed to a point where they don't need to um, need an assistance with the technology. So I'll give you an example. A child, an extraterrestrial Zeta child, um, is telepathic but doesn't have the ability to amplify the telepathy. And so they have to use their own technology to amplify the signal to be able to then speak to another being themselves. As you said before, um, with some technology that's given, 
um, once the person or the being knows how to use the technology, the technology's taken away and they just have their own ability. But the difference is it's their technology. They know what they're doing with it. And this is the concern is, and I'm not just talking about some things you can't see. I'm talking about physical technologies that anyone can touch. Where do they come from? You know, like where do these technologies come from that are on planet now? The ones that we don't really know about and that will come out ultimately. Um, th these technologies, they were, they were from extraterrestrial races. So I'm not sure that humans really know what they're doing with all these craft. You know, you've heard about these craft that have been uh, taken and back engineered. This is, a, yeah, this is a lot of discussion about this is, you know, like I said, we could talk for a week, you know, there's, there's just so much about this, um, but there's a lot to it. But the, the Zetas are a very peaceful race for sure. Look, I've had a lot of conversations with different extraterrestrial races and they've spoken to me about the way they have the, the mental agility they have compared to humans. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, humans, uh, humans get upset and they don't even know how to shift their frequency in that upsetness and they might stay upset for an hour, for a day, for a week, for years, for a lifetime. You know, they don't have the ability to understand how to focus their thoughts like the ETs. So I'd love to get into the discussion. I want to talk about healing too, but I would love to get into the discussion about how they think and, you know, how, like they've showed me how um, they can project different thought streams, telepathic thought streams and talk to like a dozen people all at once, different conversations, like all happening at once. And it's just mind boggling what they can do. Mind boggling, excuse the pun, but mind boggling what they can do. Have they talked to you about how they think and project thought and all that stuff? Yeah, well, because we actually, so we need to go a step back. So Cyan and I have been trained by them for them to speak through us. That, that's the first thing. And um, it's not channeling and it's not this, it's not trance and all this. And I, I really struggled with it. I thought, well, what is this? You know, like I, I don't, I, if it's channeling, it's channeling. But they go, no, it's not actually channeling. Um, they started initially years ago to use a clock and they put a clock in the room and I'd have to sit there and listen to the clock for an hour every day and all these sorts of things. I didn't know why. And then they'd start speaking, but all the sentences would come out backwards and we have all that recorded. Then um, they sort of started to introduce a process called heterodyning and I had to learn what heterodyning was. You know, heterodyning's a lot like binaural beats, but created by the person themselves. So you're creating your own consciousness and you're heterodyning to another being. And doing so, what you're doing is you're creating a, 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 a meeting point in consciousness. Now, once a person knows how to heterodyne, the being can come into the human and safely come and then go, come and then go, because you're heterodyning up, they're heterodyning down. And we're, they're, they're just words, really, when I say that. Um, and they come, they speak through you, and then they leave, you flick back to your grounded process. But when we're with them and they're talking, what we see is a complete 360, but in a sphere, that's um, an expanded state. So if you ask them a question, they're not looking at one permeation of answer. They're looking at every single permeation of the answer. And what they do is, is they pick what, from a probability perspective, what is the highest possible uh, probability for that answer to be the one that would give you the most clarification? 
And so when you're sitting there and they're working that way in that heterodyne state, they can be asked questions. And the questions then are placed into a field and the field then generates the answer back. The, with uh, trance work, and we do a lot of trance work with spirits, it's not that way at all. Mm -hmm. Spirits actually come and speak through us and they don't use that process. What they're doing is, is they're just talking for themselves. Whereas the Zetas are moving into these uh, quantum fields, these uh, fields of consciousness. And what they're doing is, is they're get, being able to give answers to things I've never heard of. They're able to talk about things that will happen in the future. They're able to, I wouldn't, don't want to say predict because that really causes a lot of people some issues, but they are able to, they've given us a lot of information that's mm -hmm. happened and we've like, okay, no problem. Thanks for that. So that's how they think. They think differently, but that's just one race. Say there's like the Council of Nine, which is around the species around the planet. Each of those races think differently. We talk about the Anunnaki and we've had the Anunnaki come and speak in their own language, by the way, through in Sumerian. Um, those beings think completely differently than the Zetas or the Arcturians or the Palladians or the Collectors or the Honorians. There's lots of races and they all think differently. So you said that they were in your house the other day, that they yeah. came and physically came yeah. into your house. So you're having physical experiences with them, like you're yeah. seeing them with your outside eyes, <laughs> your physical eyes, not your third yeah. eye, yeah. and you're communicating. I got that from a medium when we were talking about third eye versus physical eyes. She called them her outside eyes instead of her yeah. inner eye. Um, you're having communication with them and you're speaking to them. You said you're not getting downloads. You said you're speaking with them. And then you said that they do clicks. How are they communicating with you? Are they yeah. speaking English? Are they, no. is it telepathic? Okay. So, so it's the thing is it's not contact is not black and white. That, that's the first thing. So when people go, when I say to you, oh, I had a craft land uh, physically, it did. And those beings were physical that came out of that craft. And they walked around, just put their hands on their shoulders. They, you could hear them walking on the ground because the ground was a very thick um, sand and it was crunchy. And there was nobody walking around. I had my eyes open. The only ones that were walking were the beings, right? Other people that were there, they can, guarantee, they can validate that it happened. This is the thing they can evidence it. So that's one way. Okay, so if I say, come to my house. Uh, you, hang, on, hang on, Are you seeing them with their physical eyes? Physical eyes. So you're seeing them as solid? Yeah. yeah. As other people that are with you seeing, seeing them as solid yep. as well? Okay. <laughs> yep. So um, I've had other situations where craft come. I've got people with me. I had my friends, two friends, uh, they drove underneath the craft in their vehicle. Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. That was funny. I mean, you know, you had to laugh. But um, <laughs> so there's ways to come into an environment. One is, is that I can, um, if, as a human, I can astrally project to somewhere, right? Or I can sit here and I can just remote view that. I've got, it may be the same sort of thing, but there's a different inflection to the consciousness. The other way is, is that I can actually project myself consciously and then using fine matter, populate my consciousness so that I create a distortion in the room. Now, in doing so, we start to move into things like ectoplasmic 
voice boxes that spirit people use for independent direct voice. Uh, spirit people can speak for themselves in the air using an extended voice, an ectoplasmic voice box. So the thing is, is that the extraterrestrials, they also use these same sort of processes. They don't have to use ectoplasm, which is the life force of a medium. They can actually just bring matter in, into their uh, structure of consciousness. And in doing so, they can create fabric within a room. Mm. And what they can do is they can affect the fabric to create the clicking. Okay. Now, the clicking is a representation of the things that they would be saying in words that were human. But, of course, the clicking can't be um, associated with words that we know. We don't know any clicking words. We only just know our own words. They're able to translate the clicking into telepathic information. So you can just, once you're trained by them, you can just give it back and it goes back to them as clicks. There's uh, some sort of intermediary process that's being used for them to uh, be able to speak because they don't even have the formation within the vocal structure of the tongue to say these words. And or do the clicking. Or, or do the clicking. The... And the clicking's done up yeah. here. So if you're in the house physically, yeah, of course, there's going to be clicking and you'll hear it and all the rest of it. Then, of course, there's the other way, which I said, where they populate the consciousness into a fabric and then people will see a distortion in the room as well. And then, of course, there's the other way. They bring a craft and a person's actually taken out of their house mm -hmm. and then moved on to, onto a craft as well. There's so many different ways to interact with these beings. The reason I said I don't get downloads is, and that's not true, I just got one download once. I got a download of about 100 symbols uh, and uh, it was amazing and I loved it. And uh, that was the only download I've ever had. I guess we'd have to define download, wouldn't we? If you're receiving telepathic communication, I would I would say that that was a download. So you're receiving telepathic communication from them all the time, aren't you? Mm, yeah, but no. See, so I just see it differently. So for me, a download is when I'm giving a pack a package of information, mm -hmm. and then it takes. I have to somehow um, pull it apart, it. And work mm -hmm. out what it means, right? Whereas mm -hmm. with the telepathic communication, a lot of contactees and abductees get it's actually two-way two-way communications question and answer answer and question mm -hmm. these sorts of things that it's mm -hmm. not it may be seen as a download but it like i'm what am i downloading to you now and you're downloading to me you see what i mean mm -hmm. whereas if i just say look here's some information and walk away you've got to go okay well what does this mean i've got to unpack this whole thing it's mm -hmm. a bit different it's just okay. different yeah and see what about you Exactly the same with the uh, <laughs> communication with them. So, what, what about with your art? Are you that would be downloads, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, be, uh, oh. no, yeah, yes, that's mine. <laughs> no, it's not downloads. No, I am um, when I'm when I'm working with them to create, I uh, I go into kind of like a light altered state and um, kind of in the same way that a Reiki practitioner would channel uh, the earth energies, universal energies there's some sort of transference of energy through me as a, as a vessel or a, a drain pipe, going back to the Reiki work analogy, uh, into, the, into the painting. Mm, embedded information. Yeah, very it's, much it's so. It's really nice. Yeah. They, they often give me um, symbols as well. So they'll be, they're many layered, multi-layered, so they're not just like slap it all on. Mm. The painting builds up and up.
they form over weeks and weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's a really interesting process to watch on. Not an artist, yeah. but uh, it's, really, it's good to watch. Yeah, it's You're good to watch. Cool. I'm not. I'm not an artist. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so they'll give me symbols, um, and I'll, I'll embed them into the, mm. you know, physically embed them, paint them in, and they'll they'll be covered up as as the painting goes on. Do they communicate with you what their symbols are? Could be utilised for, like what they're used for. Um, it, they'll be depending on the purpose of the painting. So a lot of people use um, the paintings as a connection tool to their own race. So I'll receive the uh, imagery and the energy of that connection will be channeled through into the painting as it's been created for that specific person. So some would be connection tools, some would maybe be healing, maybe. Yeah, what, whatever it is that they, mm -hmm. they want to use. Um, they, they're quite, people often use them for like as a focus of meditation. So mm -hmm. if it's connection, their focus of meditation will be for connection. If it's mm -hmm. for healing, their focus of meditation will be healing and they'd take the imagery, keep it in their mind's eye, and as they say meditate, that all kind of all comes together. <laughs> well, that's the idea anyway. <laughs> it generally yeah. works. Yeah, of course. Well, let's, let's move into healing. So it said in the bio that they you've been working with them to heal medical problems and injuries. How do they utilise healing? And I'd love to know about their own, I'd love to know about how they think about health and sickness and healing and all that sort of stuff but anyway there's a lot of questions there let's talk about how they're helping you yeah. heal or helping you facilitate healing with people okay so this is a big subject so um, I, I never really saw myself in any way as being somebody that would be would want to be involved in, in healing I just didn't even understand how that process could take place mm -hmm. and it's quite often when you like that, that that's the thing that you end up doing because you never wanted to do it in the first place. Um, this all started with Kathleen Martin. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Kathleen. Um, she was healed by the Zetas through us about, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago or something. And this all started because and it was a bit of an eye-opener for me because I was also experiencing some chronic fatigue stuff and immune issues um, and realised that this was happening to a lot of people that were being contacted. The Zetas then reversed um, Kathleen's unwellness. She's documented that and she's talked about it publicly as well. And I sat back and thought, well, okay, what's going on? I don't understand what's going on. How, how is this even possible? And they said to me that um, the higher self doesn't understand what unwellness is at all. It's got no capacity to understand unwellness. It's the local consciousness, which is the extensualized consciousness of the higher self that actually embeds itself in the physical form. And what it does is it understands unwellness. It also creates unwellness and it also creates health. So depending on the way that we perceive something, the way that we emotionally you know, or consciously um, sort of manifest things in our lives, as everybody knows, that it, it can then manifest into the physical form. Um, the Zetas work with the etheric body. And what they do is, is they ask the higher self if the higher self wants to be healed. And if the higher self says, yeah, absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with this, then what will happen is uh, they'll do the work in the etheric body and then just walk away. And it'll materialize uh, within the physical body. Now, with the scientist William Trunite, he documented this. He um, had some sort of 
um, some sort of skin cancer on his nose, and it's in the book, The Prime of the Zeta Race, um, scientists like to document things. And he was told that within a certain amount of days, this thing was going to fall off, and it did. On that day, it fell off, and there was nothing underneath. This is what I mean um, about evidencing things, that it's possible. And, and what I've noticed is if you... Um, ask these beings to actually evidence themselves they do in ways that are absolutely phenomenal whereas if they know that you won't ask for them to evidence themselves and they don't it's the human that misses out on the on the experience of the evidence when the evidence comes it's just stunning oh that's a good point uh if you want evidence you need to ask for it for people that are having maybe psychic experiences or maybe abduction experiences and yeah. they've got no physical evidence because the humans need to see it to believe it and uh, as the beautiful Wayne Dyer said it actually works the other way around when you believe it you'll see it um yeah so they're believing it and then they're trying to tell people but um if they need physical evidence all they need to do is ask ask give me some physical evidence to show, absolutely show my but friends and the thing is, here's the thing. So I'm sitting here today and, a, and something pops up and says, hey, I'm from the planet A, B and C. And you go, okay, great. Now, I've got a choice. I can either go, look, you just work through me. You can use me. I've got no problem with it. I just love everybody, right? Um, or you can say, okay, great. Love your work, whatever that is. Tell me what it is that you do. Oh, well, we're here to save the planet. We're, we're here to do this, this and that. Okay, great. How are you going to evidence that to me first? Because my, my life is important to me. My free will is important to me. I'm not just going to hand over my consciousness to you. You need to show me what you're going to do away from me, nothing to do with me. Give me some evidence. Tell me something that's going to take place. And, and because of that, I can then be fairly sure, not 100%, but fairly sure, if they do what they say that they're going to do, that they're going to be the beings that are worth working with. It's exactly the same for your gatekeeper. Now, this is spirit stuff. So with gatekeepers, gatekeepers are the ones that they, they handle the traffic around the medium. And gatekeepers take a lot of effort to work with. They're not just normal guides. They are the big boys of, of spirits. And so they're the ones that are in charge of all of the energy around the medium, the withdrawal of the ectoplasmic life force of the medium, how it goes back into the medium as well, and what manifests and so when a person or a medium is going to be working with a gatekeeper, they need to develop relationship. That once again comes back to evidence. But let's be honest, if you go to a medium for a reading, for mental mediumship, you're asking if someone says, oh, I've got your grandmother with me, the first thing you're doing is saying, well, give me some evidence that it's my grandmother. Everybody does it when they go to a medium. But for some reason, the minute we skip over to extraterrestrial contact, all the evidence flies out the window. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I thought that was funny. You think you think people are more gullible when it comes to it? I, I don't know about that. I think people are more sceptical, actually, Paul, uh, when it comes to extraterrestrial. I think they're more sceptical because most people, most, many people don't even believe they exist at all. Yeah, uh, about to all be challenged at the moment because of all the disclosures absolutely absolutely but getting back to the healing so we spoke about uh they'll work in the etheric field and when they change it in the etheric field because we we're in density and yeah. we, we live under linear time when we have the buffer of time often healing doesn't happen 
immediately it happens over a period of time when you change it in the etheric it needs to sort of filter down into the denser energetic structure and then it, it shifts in the energetic structure it might take an hour might take a couple of days might take a week yep. yeah and um it can happen instantly too depending on what what's being healed but um so you spoke about healing because we get all up in our stuff and you know worry about things and stress and we create imbalance which is what yeah. this disease is we all what do about, what about them do they have disease no. do they they don't is that because of the way they think it, it, like they don't get imbalanced in their thinking um, that's what look that is one way but um let me just say that um let okay we'll, we'll we'll look at this from a human perspective it's always easier your home environment could be a place where when you, you know, you've come from work and you go home and you, you hit the music and on it comes and you've got your plants and you go around you spray all your plants and you know you've created this environment that when you move into it you're going to really chill out hopefully right now the the zetas specifically their um living quarters you would say is like an egg that you walk into the front of it. Now, what they are is these pods, but these pods you can walk into, they're as big as a room. They're created specifically at the same frequency as the Zeta. So that, say you meditate this morning and you go out and you chat with everybody and you come back, you've been shifted because you met it, you spoke to people. They're the same, they get shifted when they move out of their environment, their, their resonating chamber and they go and do all their work. So when they come back in, when they step into that, it pulls them back to their state, the state of, of uh, where they are before they left. And that, that's a technology that they have that is actually supporting them to stay in that space. They've also got um, art that does the same thing as well. And the art creates um, a resonance and there's these beautiful little um, archives that you can walk through or corridors, and they've got um, alcoves, not archives. Oh, that's an interesting word. And the the art is actually pressed back into this area. And if you just stand in front of it, it can be sh it can shift you in a way that you want to be shifted. So you're walking through a um, an art gallery, you see a specific piece of uh, work, and you go, oh, wow, that makes me feel this way. I love it. You go to the next one, you see that, and you, that makes you feel different. They have the same thing, but it's a technology that performs the function. Not It could just be a, a stick. From, you say just a stick, doesn't it? It's the same stick in every alcove, but the stick is producing a different frequency. Wow, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I love it. It's great. Okay, so you said that their pods is kind of like the med beds that we've been talking about, and it's creating the... It is rebalancing the um, the energetic structure and creating yeah. the homeostasis. So the human body is constantly in a flux of trying to create homeostasis in the body, trying to rebalance yeah. the yeah. Chem chemical structure, the energetic structure. It's constantly doing that and it's like fighting hard. But they've got a technology where they, they walk into like a pod, which is like a med bed, and then it just all rebalances well, the so, interesting thing is, Karen, is that the, they've actually inside the pods, inside the room, they've actually got this, this table that, that they can lay on. Uh -huh. And that table is a med bed. Yeah. Okay. 
But if you know, they've got these things everywhere. So mm -hmm. if they want to go on craft, so they, the craft comes somewhere, they, they go out, and so that they don't bring any biological uh, material back into the craft, these pods, these are upright pods that they go through, mm -hmm. they scan them as they go through and it gets rid of any biological material. So they've got them everywhere. Mm -hmm. healing, healing takes many forms. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I want to understand the difference. Well, I can't understand, but I want to ask you questions about the difference between them and us in their thinking. So we as humans have the ability to stress, to worry, to get angry, to get yep. defensive, you yep. know, to like hold on to resentment, to not mm -hmm. forgive. And this causes the majority of our illness because we don't allow that perfection of the body that is constantly trying to rebalance and create the homeostasis to yeah. happen we interfere with it with our thinking right do they have the ability to stress get upset get a like do they have the range of emotion that humans do they don't no. like you're both shaking your head no it's been it's we we've had so much um i'm going to give you another example it's the only way i can really work so um, I'm going to come into your mind and I'm going to show you how I think, right? And you sit back and you go, wow, I don't think that way at all. But you notice when I'm with you or a being is with you that if you do have a thought, it's pushed into their consciousness and it's thought about in the way that they would. So suddenly you're worrying about the bills, right? And they're like, well we were in service to others, there are no bills. We all work as one. And so what we find is, is that it's because we individuate ourselves as beings here that we worry about everything. Whereas when we're with them or they're with their own, because they know that they can totally rely on each other, that's mm -hmm. why the beings always travel in three, always travel in three, the Cedars and the, the others, um, that they, can, they are allowed to think the way that they do because they don't have to think as an individual. It is the individual that is, I don't want to say it, but it's the individual that is what causes the problem for themselves. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And I was thinking about this yesterday as I was thinking about asking you these questions, chatting with the mob. Um, you know, the, the individualization experience that we have, the autonomy experience that we have as humans, I think that they don't have that experience. They're so, they're so collectively unified. They don't see themselves as, indiv as individuals yeah. like we do. Do they have any sort of individualization? You said that they all come in different shapes and sizes and colors, and they have some sort of individualization. They're not all sort of like cloned robots, are they? No. And that's a big that that's a big thing, you know. People go, "Oh, they're just biological AI," you know, all these sorts of things. That I can understand why people say that, mm -hmm. uh, but it's like saying to some somebody, "I'm um, look, you know, look, there's a there's a, a goalpost about a hundred meters away. I want you to describe it to me." And the person goes, "Well, from my perspective, it's this high," mm -hmm. and the next person's closer, and from their perspective, it's different, and every person's perspective is different. This is this is the whole problem um, with the way that uh, people think and the way they think. And... But going back to what you were saying, you said that it is our individualization that creates our stressful thoughts in that, yes, I think that 
when we think we've got to do it all ourselves, that there yeah. isn't any support, that there isn't any help, that we've got to, you know, go to work and pay the bills and, oh, it's 11-11 here. <clears throat> like when we stress out about the I who has to do it, forgetting that we are, um, yeah. we're not an I, we are actually a part of a collective. We're part of a spiritual collective. We're part of a human collective. We're part of a cosmic collective where we're never separate and alone. But that idea, that belief in our separation causes most yeah. of our stress. It does, but but it's uh, embedded in us because we are individuated in this society. You know, um, it's it's not hard to see that when when we look around, what's happening around us in society, politics, everything, we are individuated. We're not, you know, we're not really a species that works towards community. It it would be great if we were, but it's some something's going to happen that's going to cause that. And people are going to start to realize that we've only got each other. Yeah. And it's going to be a massive shift. And when it does, it's so, going to be painful. So what I'm seeing is because they've moved beyond that separation and they've moved more into unity consciousness, mm. it's just eliminated a big chunk of the limiting stressful beliefs that humans engage in. It's just like wiped it out. So mm. they don't even have access to those types of thoughts or beliefs because they understand their oneness with all their unification with all their unification with themselves that they're not alone in the cosmos this is why so many people fall into communities that um you know look after them okay Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not cult behavior it's it's not it's more about understanding that in some places and spaces you are accepted for who you are and that when your feet touch the ground in the morning that the people around you actually care about you mm-hmm. so that's the difference with these races um I've, I've seen them i've been with them i've experienced the way that they work with each other and people, some people go oh, that sounds like a utopian type you know belief system it's actually yeah. possible it's possible it's not the only reason that we act the way we do is because we're in survival mode if we weren't in survival mode all the time like i'm going to mention it covid okay covid drove everybody into survival mode we're all going to say don't mention the big c don't mention it okay (laughs) no 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 No, no. i'm not being negative about it. i'm just saying like all it did was drive people into their homes because we had to whatever and it was more like now we're individuated again like we've been Mm. taken from community and pushed back into a smaller section and you know everybody's hiding from everybody else and it was like the best part about that process was it gave people time to sit back and think about what they feel is important Mm -hmm. in their own lives it gave people the space to work from home and to you know really start to understand what was important to them and i think that's and that has actually permeated society They've got a lot of problems getting people back to work now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, no, oh, no, I just can work from home because they've seen the truth. Right, yeah. yeah. As you said, technology look, allows them to do that. A lot of good things came out of what we've been experiencing. A lot of good things have came out of what we've been experiencing. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you know, I was watching some vegan documentaries and um, apparently because of the whole narrative around the virus being found in a wet market in Asia, mm-hmm. a lot of people in Asia who have a very meat sort of diet became vegans. 
because they were scared. They were worried about being sort of um, poisoned because of the narrative. And I thought, well, that was another good thing that happened. Anyway. The, oh, there were a lot of good things. Yeah. Yeah. But, Cyan, I wanted to talk to you. Have you had any healing uh, done by the... Yeah. 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 They, they sorted my... Uh, I used to have a terrible, terrible bad neck <laughs> um, result of a car accident um, when I was 17, 18. And, you know, I had very restricted movement on my neck and uh, I, it was incredibly painful all the time. And um, I remember I was talking to Paul, oh God, this is 2010 or something. You were talking about going, well, something to do with the conference, la, 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 la. And we were having a discussion about how they might uh, prove who they were to a whole, it was a theoretical conversation. How would the Zetas prove who they were through Paul? To a whole massive room of people. They could heal them. And we were discussing that they could heal them. And I was thinking, yeah, they could do that. Because if everybody walked out the hall yeah. and they all had a healing of some sort, well, you know, everybody had experienced something, or the vast majority had, surely that's got to be a, a evidence of something going on something. more than just somebody up there talking. You know, anyway, I woke up the next morning and my neck was completely better like 100% completely better mm. and I remember thinking ah yeah okay <laughs> that's how they would do it it was like they showed me how they would do it again, by doing it they, about <laughs> about how many months ago was that when they did the healing with all those people what down in yeah in Sydney in yeah. Sydney yeah I mean I mean I've yeah I mean I've been on the receiving end of a few healings yeah. um yeah, and I've also been part of many healings uh, processes yeah. as well where we facilitated them working and, you know, being on the other side of it, watching them do what they do. Now that's... And how, they, and how they... Yeah. And the technology that they use to heal humans yeah. is absolutely mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Yeah. When you see this stuff happening, you're yeah. just like, what's going on? Like, yeah. I'll give you an example. So this guy... He was lying down and um, he couldn't speak and um, he had a lot of trouble standing. That was the only thing. And I'm just standing there watching because the room had shifted. We're in what was called an SQ, a synthetic quantum environment. And um, you could see the Zetas walking around. There was all mm. these distortions in the room. And next thing, this light came down and just um, scanned this guy. But it wasn't scanning him. It was... Um, and decombining, decompiling, decompiling this guy, <laughs> and in my mind, what I saw was infinite threads all being straightened, and then as the light came back the other way, all the threads started to recombine. The guy got off the table, spoke straight away, and yeah. was able to dance. Yeah. Now, to me, when you see these things, as, as crazy as it sounds. It's like, I don't know what to say. So the guy said to me, you know what, Paul, come and stay at my house for a few days. So I went and stayed with him. He cooked dinner. He was dancing. He was having a great time. There was a lot of us there. It was great. And I watched I watched the results of a person being healed by the Zetas mm. that had, from that, their own perspective, lost their ability to enjoy their life. Mm. And they've done this so many yeah. times with people. Yeah. I mean, from more yeah. straightforward things, which although they're not like cancers being removed, like Williams. Yeah. No, and yeah. another lady had a, a cancer here that had to be removed. And 
she went to the doctors, it had disappeared, you know, no explanation to more complex things where somebody, you know, uh, could, was on the point of having surgery for um, their back because it could no longer yeah. walk where well, they went out for a 5k run the next morning, you know, it, it really does vary, but it's always amazing. But, the, but there's, So the Zetas yeah. are very much, um, this is the one thing about them. It's very much about you. Mm. What, what is it with you that, that makes your life the way that it is? And if they can in any way improve your health, mm. uh, under certain circumstances, they will. I've got to be very careful about that. They don't heal everybody. They, they just don't. And that's what it comes down to. We have to ask them if they'll heal a specific person. That's either yes or no. There's no in between. Yeah. And the thing is, if they say yes, they will. Then they will. They do. That's not, it's, it's very black and white. And, yeah. you know, that's been a big part of our evidencing process yeah. for them continuously over the years. It's, not like you know we evidenced them once at the yeah. beginning we've never done it since we use that as a continual evidencing process you know they say they can do something well now they need to do it well it was the same yeah. as so here was the challenge i used to sit with seven people when i was developing and the zetas were talking and someone said you know what just bring a craft that's all you've got to do and they went okay we'll bring a craft and so they did and then you see there's so much evidence right there you have to say well Maybe everybody should be saying in some way that they need to evidence these beings. Well, they do. You know, all the yeah. beings that they work with. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean we, we have countless people coming to us saying, oh, yeah, we've, we've got race A. Yeah. That race A says they can materialise, but we're not ready yet. But when we're ready, they're going to materialise for us. And in the meantime, we're doing this for them, that for them, that for them. And we're all doing A, B and C. Uh, six months later down the line. No, they haven't materialised yet. We're still not ready. A year down the line, no, they've not materialised yet. We're still not ready, yeah. you know. And that narrative, it never changes. These beings never do what, what they say they young, can do. Yeah. They do bits. Oh, it's like they give yeah. enough, just enough to keep the people of the group interested. But when it comes to the black and white, okay, now prove you can do what you say you can do. Or go away. Doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> or go away and it doesn't happen and they stay. <laughs> They're helping us with our healing. When you said they don't help everybody. And so what I'm getting is that they're going to look into your, for a better word, soul contract and see that the healing that you need, is it something that you're learning from? Is it something that you have to take responsibility for? Because a lot of, a lot of people can heal you. I've seen this with a lot of healers. I remember a friend of mine said that he healed his mother-in-law of cancer and then her back problem. And then and there was always something else because she was using sickness to get attention and so she kept manifesting sickness we over and over again and and you know often people need to take absolute often always people need to take absolute responsibility for what what they're manifesting and creating in their life including their health and maybe if they're not ready to do that maybe the zetas won't touch them until they do that maybe no they don't that's so that okay that's i did say that before that i would ask the higher self and that's fine but there are other determining factors. One is, is um, are you one? Are you from their race? Okay. If you're from their race, then it's it's just yes. It's never no. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. They heal their own, because of course they're in service to others, so they have to heal you, right? Mm. The second one is um, if you're too close to terminating, 
then no, because okay. it doesn't matter. Because if you're two weeks from termination and they have to resolve that, that means they've got to resolve terminating within themselves. They don't have that process to do that because they move from container to container. Mm-hmm. They by match, choice. yeah, they by choice. They live in a container, take some of their own DNA, maturate a new container, jump from that container to this one. When you they say container, you're talking about body container. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, fleshy container. container. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Well, you're, you're a container. I'm a yeah. container. Well, well, my body is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, your body yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So they move from body to body, container, container. And uh, I think I read last night they live to up to a 1,000 years. Yeah, or more. In, yeah. in one container. Yeah. Or they can. Or they can they change containers if they want. Well, it'd be like, say I say to you, listen, you've got a choice. You can either drive from Australia to the UK. You've got a special car. You can drive. You think, hang on, this could take me six weeks. Or you can fly. You go, you know what? I think I'm going to fly. So you've always got choice with things that you do. So with the Zetas, if they're going to do a a trip that takes six days from Zeta Reticulum to here, they're not going themselves. They're not wasting six days. They just put a container in the in the craft in the in the cylinders. They send the craft forward. The craft arrives. They telepathically then uh, uh, activate the bodies, mm-hmm. and they move the the bodies around the containers. And they work within the containers. When they finish, they just bring their uh, consciousness back into their own form. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the the craft then leaves and moves back to the planet. They've saved twelve days of travel time. So a bit like the avatar phenomena, you know, the movie yeah. avatar, you just place your consciousness in another life form, another body. Um, like you've done. Like I've done. How do you mean like I've done? Like we've, well, we've, we've, what, all, we've all done that. Yeah, really. we all, we all yeah, did that. that that's exactly, and I love that bit because that's what I say, no, like you've done, because people go, oh, no, no, we, we've all done that, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, because people will sit there initially and they go, sounds like a movie, and then they go, hang on. I've done that as well. I've left wherever I was. I've animated a physical form. And then when I'm finished with it, I'm going to leave my physical form and go back. I've animated. Well, it's, it's interesting, even the word left. I haven't actually left where I'm from. I've just extended a piece of my consciousness yeah. into this container. And I'm actually still there. The greater part of me, the higher self, the, the group soul, whatever you want to call that, is still there in that place and i've just extended my consciousness or a part of my consciousness into a container and so we've all done that to have this human experience some of us have yeah but they but they understand that as a part of their physical experiences which we don't as humans we think that this is all there is this body this me this and then i die and i cease to exist but anyway but i want to talk like i'm looking at the time that don't do that just want to say that there are Mm -hmm. other races that don't individuate their form as i sold us yeah yeah that's yeah that's a whole nother show but you mentioned because i had this written down the um the SQE, the synthetic quantum environment and the jump rooms. Can we talk a little bit about the jump rooms and the synthetic quantum environment and how they utilise that? That was just fascinating. Well, supposedly uh, Basiago and others were Mm -hmm. part of the Mars project and they used the technology, the SQE, to jump to Mars using the SQEs. But... There's some there's some issues with the with the information around the SQE and the, and the jump room technology, because 
the way the SQEs work is they take a copy of your environment, of you, mm. and put you into the SQE, and you don't know that you're a copy of yourself because you've got all your original con consciousness. If anything happens to you in that SQE, it doesn't replicate back to the original form. So if your arm gets torn off, which is what happened, which is what happened then um, although the person believes it happened, once the SQE is compacted um, and the experience is given back to the person, they look down, they see they've got their full arm. Mm. This is why there's a problem with the SQE stuff. It's, and to be honest, it's far too technical to discuss in this, right? All I can say is that SQEs are used by other races and some humans as well to create experience for other people. Okay, I'm a little bit confused because I don't know who you're talking about that um, you said that yeah. happened to him and I'm a bit confused yeah. about because That's okay. What is an SQE? A synthetic quantum environment. So a synthetic quantum environment is a structure that is building consciousness that has specific functionality that allows the beings or the humans that are within inside the SQE to experience things like a holographic environment. Um, so we, um, the other day, had some people with us and I created an SQE and um, everybody inside the SQE, inside the room, believed that they were inside a craft. Hmm. I've got about a million other questions about that. So you're doing that in consciousness. So you're doing that in like a meditative state. Okay. So um, when the person goes into trance, the, they all have ability to be able to expand their um, consciousness and their etheric body. If you are trained how to accentualize yourself, you can allow other people to come into your um, environment. The next step past that is that you actually use uh, an SQE technology that the extraterrestrials have and you activate it and allow people to come into the SQE with you and they can also, it's something like uh, the Monroe stuff where they do the consensus reality journeys. And it's, like, it's a bit like the holodeck on Star Trek. Yeah, I would. I don't know. What do you think? Something like that? A little that bit? would be the easiest That's way the to, easiest way to uh, describe it. Be the best it. analogy, I yeah. guess, that people could use. Yeah. So okay, inside, so, so when inside you create... SQEs, there are also healings take place with people. Mm -hmm. So if if this is you and they take a copy of you and they put it into the SQE and they heal this, then they compact the SQE, this experience goes back and resets the etheric body. When you were describing the healing, like the person being, um, uh, you know, the molecular structure taken apart in streams. Yeah, decompiled, um, yeah. Decompiled, um, decompobulated, I'm thinking. Is <laughs> uh, I was thinking about, it's been depicted, Susie Hansen's husband drew it, and we spoke about this on the show with Susie, that she was up on craft and the Zetas were showing um, her and some hybrid children and some other beings, um, Zetas and hybrids and a whole bunch of kids, how to dematerialize their body and reform it into other other things like a flower or a pen or 
cup of tea or whatever, you know, like they would take apart the molecular structure of their body and then reconform it into a something else. And, and she was saying that the Zetas could do it. The hybrid kids mm-hmm. kind of did it, but the human kids or the more human kids, cause they're all hybrids couldn't do it. And I said, why couldn't the humans do it? And she said, we couldn't reach that level of frequency. And I said, well, what was the level of frequency? And she said, it was kind of beyond joy. It was such a heightened frequency. It was like this high, 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 high frequency that because of the human, the majority of the human component and our range of emotion, the kids were struggling to reach that high frequency so that they could physically manipulate their molecular structure like the Zetas could. And I thought, wow, that was really interesting. Yeah, so inside craft is a different environment than inside a normal human yeah. environment. So, well, she spoke about the room that they were in. She didn't call it what you called it, the um, synthetic quantum environment, but she said that they were in a room that was kind of like misty, and it felt like they were sort of floating, like the like the walls and the floor had sort of dropped away, and they were sort of floating. Mm-hmm. This yeah. this like like so she was explaining what you're talking about that quantum yeah. environment. So we- we did that inside the house yeah. the, the, last week just for people. That's what it and they were floating and, you know, they felt they were floating. And mm-hmm. So the thing is inside the um, the craft, the, the difference is the time compression. That's right. what creates the mist. It's the compression creates the mist. Okay. The molecular, that's a big word. Molecular it, structure. No, no, it's actually a bigger word than that. Oh, it's okay. Molecular rises, if that even exists, the, the, the compression. And when we did the SQE the other day, we actually had steam, I had steam coming off my body when I did it. So. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so how do you do it, Paul? Oh, look, or both of you? Uh, how do you do it? I think you need to know how to heterodyne. Heterodyning is everything. If you don't know how to heterodyne, then of course um, you need. You, firstly, you need assistance to do something. That that's the first thing. Um, although you can learn how to do it, it you need to be shown how something works. Like, oh, I've got a screwdriver, and you've never seen it. And I hand it to you. You don't know what to do. Do I bake a cake with it? Do what do I do with this thing, right? And so, with the the tech, the consciousness technology. You've got to be shown how it works. And, and it's not just a one-off sort of thing that they do. They, like the children, I've been in the, the training areas with all the children as well. I've seen the, um, it's, I was there as a human um, and I was with about 2,000 Zeta children. And there was a, a, this big doorway that was about a metre across and it had ribbons of light all going through it. And it was like it was, it was water running through it. And they asked me to come down and step through the door to dematerialize. I refused. I just absolutely refused. And so they got one of the other Zeta children to come and he just stepped through and then came back. And they were showing, they were teaching the children how to step from their environment to this physical environment here through this technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Why did you you refuse? Um, Because because I, I was terrified. Uh, you're you know, a kid at the time I was a kid yeah yeah and yeah, yeah. um you know let's let's be absolutely clear here no. people that are contacted and abducted are generally terrified most of the time mm-hmm. until they get to a point where they're not and, yeah. and when you first start 
you know, like you're on craft and everything's okay. And next thing someone says, hey, jump into this meat grinder for me. You're like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but it's interesting, Paul, because I've thought about this, you know, I'm, I'm going back to the Star Trek technology of beam me up, Scotty. I saw yeah. Deepak Chopra about 25 years ago talking about how everything's holographic. And one day when we understand that, we'll be able to do what happens on Star Trek. And, you know, it was so interesting. It was in the convention center here in Sydney. People were just walking out in droves because they just couldn't reach that level of understanding. And I'm like, tell me more. Because yeah, to yeah, them, it's fantasy, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking if you're so identified with this container being you, yeah. the thought of, as you said, a meat grind, of your particles being taken apart shift through space and then reconformed you know yeah. like that that beam me up scotty or yeah. teleportation or whatever you want to call what do you call that like that what you're talking about yeah. is terrifying because you think of the physical container being you right and so then you'll die but when you're not attached to this body being who you are yeah then it's not as terrifying yeah but that's the difference you see we, we, if I devised a thousand different tests today, a thousand, and didn't tell you any, about any of them, but just said to you, look, here's test number six, and it was totally going to rock your world, okay? You would, it doesn't matter who you are or what training you've got, and Simon would probably agree with this, when you're being tested, and we're always being tested, you have to recognize the test first. You then step into it and you have to work out what the test is. Yeah. And then you've got to try and pass the test. And that's what the Zetas do. Mm -hmm. They test everybody all the time. And so uh, quite often when you're in these teaching environments, they can be testing you. Mm -hmm. They're not that, you know, it's not, it's not the test that's the issue it's the outcome for them they want to see what is your ability to produce this outcome that they can produce it all comes back to the human species they see that in the future the human species is going to be part of a community mm. an extraterrestrial community now some would say that we already are well we're look we're partially there but when we have the uip disclosure properly and congress and all the other things and when we're sort of, and it's all over and it's all on the table, we've got these massive cognitive shifts that the whole planet has to do. Now we're walking into who are we as a race as compared yeah. to other races? What are the things that they're going to ask us to do? Will we be able to do them? I mean, there's, a, there's from a day-to-day -day working with the Zetas, this is the challenges that we have. They say, today you're going to do this. And we go, oh, I have no idea how I'm going to accomplish that. They said, well, we'll, we'll see how you go and we'll help you. But, and so they're always there to help. If yeah. someone says to you, we want you to heterodyne to this place, you go, okay, I don't know how to heterodyne. So just yeah. explain to us what heterodyne is again. Yeah. Heterodyning is using, okay, so we need to understand a couple of basic concepts. One is, is that the breath, holds harmonics mm -hmm. and the breath is the first thing you do when you're born and the last thing you do when you transition mm -hmm. the breath holds within it every single capacity that's required for you uh, to do anything heal yourself move up in consciousness move down in consciousness once you understand 
how your breathing works and the harmonics in your breath work, you can understand how the energy of your body works. And then you can start to use it to, um, this is in one of the books that's just come out by William Trent and myself. Um, it talks about hemoglobin and how oxygen um, allows you to create an expanded environment within yourself, okay? Once you know how to do that, you start to move into a heterodyne state. And those heterodyne states allow you to populate that with consciousness. And then you can start to see and feel out for other consciousness around you. Now, initially, the first one that you may do is spirit people because it's easy. But to look for other ET, you may need to use gateway technologies to do that. So a heterodyne state is an expanded state of awareness. Mm. A heterodyne state is a relationship mm. with another being. Conjoined state in of frequency. A conjoined state of frequency. Thank mm. you very much. That's all right. And conjoined Anytime. state of frequency. So hetra meaning hexagon, like five. Hetra. Heterodyne. Is Heter there a hetra yeah. No, I don't know what the, I don't no, know. No, I don't believe no. the numbers are of any significance. No. So a heterodyne state is when you're in a say that again. Conjoined, conjoined state, state of frequency. Conjoined state of frequency with another consciousness, yeah. with another being. Conjoined. If I had two tuning forks here mm -hmm. and one, one octave mm -hmm. higher than the other, right, mm -hmm. and I don't activate this one, and th but this one I go bing. Now yeah. The problem is if, if, if this one doesn't activate, I won't get two frequencies. Of course, I could move closer to that one. It would activate it. It would start to cause it to start to vibrate. But if I, I activate them both at the same time and move them together, within the middle, there'll be a conjoined state of frequency. That's heterodyne states. Beautiful. Where does the word come from, heterodyne? Where's that word? No idea. From? I think it's actually a scientific word. I think, yeah. It's, you can look it up. It's mm -hmm. heterodynings to do with um, sound and frequencies and stuff, yeah. Um, quite often the scientists had to put words to what the Zetas were saying. The Zetas would explain things and the, and the humans would go, well, that sounds like that and that mm -hmm. sounds like this and we'll just put those words together and create that sentence. That's yeah. exactly what they did. Yeah. The future is bright. I mean, the future is I bright. Agree. You know, I had, I don't know if you heard of Garnet Schulhauser, Canadian guy, his spirit guide takes him whizzing around the cosmos and shows him multiple you know stuff a lot of stuff planets mm. people god everything anyway so he was saying that he's been to a couple of parallel realities of earth and one of the parallel realities of earth was they went through the pandemic and as they were um experimenting to get out of this you know problem that we're experiencing they um, developed teleportation and that was the outcome of the pandemic you know love of um like moving into, so, so their society came, became, tele, you know, they could use, like all transport stopped, all flights. Yeah. Like, so we didn't need oil and gas. You know, I mean, yeah. oil and, you know, for, for, for to propel vehicles anymore because we were just teleporting yeah. everywhere. Um, well, the thing is, is that there's been a statement made by some people that work in um, contracted areas overseas that every technology that you can think of already exists. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Already exists. Already exists. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and is in operation on the yes. planet here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I, I know we've been yakking for ages. 
that's just so many questions to ask you. One last question. Okay. So we know what the Zetas can do for us. They can help us with healing. They can help us with technology. They can help us with all the stuff that we've been talking about. What are we doing for them? Oh, well, if everybody right now could sit and meditate every day and just, just find stillness within themselves, then that's exactly what all the races require humans to do. Because stillness provides the capacity for communication and conversation with them and with yourself. And once you're communicating with yourself, you can then start to understand what is important, what is the importance of self. But what do they want from us, from the yeah. human race? But that's so exactly heard... what they want. No, they I... want that. They do. And the reason they want that is because on the timeline in the future, they see these human species interacting with them. And they do not want to interact with humans uh, in their current state of consciousness. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, so I've heard that they have, as they develop to their intellect, they greatly reduce their emotional capacity. And so a lot of the hybrid programs are to bring that emotional capacity back online. That's where they're hybridizing. They're doing the, um, have you heard that from your mob? No, they're not. You're talking about the hybridization of humans. Is that what mm -hmm. you're talking about? Yeah, like no. them, them splicing their DNA with our DNA because they, um, mm. they develop their intellect. That's why they have the big heads and, and they're, um, they're, That's so they got don't nothing to do with the Zetas. That's got nothing to do with yeah. the Zetas. Um, the Zetas. Uh, so they have the same emotional range as we do. No, they and they prefer they they don't need the same emotional range. I, I don't need to um, if I'm in service to you and everything about me is, is helping you, I don't need anger in my life. Mm -hmm. You don't I, attach. I don't need biases. I, I, I need uh, love and I need communication mm -hmm. and I, I need the things that are, are meant to support a race, mm -hmm. not, not um, emotions that, or, or consciousness that, that creates perceptions of uh, negative behaviour. So from their perspective, they don't need to learn anything from humans. It's the humans that need to learn something from them. That's my opinion. Um, I've been with them. I've seen the way that they act, the, the way they operate, the way they do everything, and we can always learn from them. They just, they are observing our behaviour. They are observing it, but they're trying to work out how to develop contact protocols. How, how do you contact a, a whole species where half the people are start or starving, homeless, all these things. Well, you know, they need to develop contact protocols for this to take place. Yes. Oh, it's been absolutely fascinating. I think I've asked all the questions I've got for now. I think I've got about a million more. Um, but yeah, a lot of the information, well, yeah, a lot of the information is in your books, right? So that excerpt that I um, read on your website, Introduction to the Race. So it's on your website, the dash zeta dash connection.com slash introduction dash to dash the race HTML. Um, I'll put the link under all the podcasts. It's absolutely fascinating. A lot of people find uh, um, the primer of Zeta race too scientific. So the Zetas put out the, the Zeta interviews and that, that has about 670 pages or something. Mm. And that's just about, 30% of the information that they've given across. 
Um, and then we've worked out yesterday, we actually put out 10 books, which is, and uh, we're about to put out our last one in about 12 months time, where we talk about what it was like to be on the inside working with the Zetas and being trained by them. So that's going to be quite interesting. What's in the future for you guys? Where do you see all this going? Well, we just carry on. We just, it's a day by day. Just help people work through their contact experiences, help them to resolve uh, what they're uh, going through on a daily basis or yeah. weekly basis. We get contacted by a lot of people. I mean, we have to calendar the contact. This is the thing with people. So it's more about um, somebody coming to tell us what's going on and then we use our experience as mediums and contactees mm. to work out what's the best way around this, what race mm. is that person actually dealing with. Is it spirit activity? Yeah. Is, is it, it extraterrestrial? Is it astral? Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Some people have so much going on around them that one is triggering another is triggering yeah. another and we have to spend time with them to understand each element of what they're experiencing. It's not always just... It's ET. <laughs> because in the end, people want to understand, you know, what's going on around them and their environment. Mm. And um, it's okay to guess, for, for some people like to guess. We don't. We don't want to guess. If we don't know, we say we don't know, which is yeah. really important. You spoke about the woo community before, oh. uh, the UFO community and the woo community. Well, I'm part of the woo community, darling one. <laughs> you know all love and light all positive because when you do contact that aspect of soul you do understand that every experience that you're electing to have yeah. as an experience that the soul is wanting and that regardless of the trauma trauma of it all um it has a um an evolutionary um, bias to it you know it has a has an uh, opportunity to uh, evolve the soul and uh, it is all positively ultimately it is all a positive experience even when from this perspective from the human perspective it seems like trauma and drama and devastation yeah. um, from the soul's perspective because the soul is that god energy is pure positive energy it is, oh. but the thing, Karen, the only reason I mentioned the woo community is just as a frame of reference. I know but, what you're talking about. People say it all the time. Yeah. Oh, these people are all into love and light, into love oh, and light. It's not. But, no, no. So the reason it, I mentioned But it, it is all love and light. I just want people to evidence. I just want people to think about evidence. That's all. Common sense. Common sense. Because what, say you, you know, you're a person that's surrounded by a whole lot of other people, like a family, and this person isn't evidencing what's happening with their downloads and all the rest of it. That's going to affect everybody else. And then we get the family come to us and, you know, the, how do I work with this? How do I deal with this? And we're more about to the person, well, what evidence have you to the actual person that's doing it? You know, we want to help you if, if possible. What evidence do you have that this is taking place? Because it, it, what we do affects others. We're all intermeshed. No, I understand. I understand that we're working with... Uh, a community of human, yeah. the human race that is a very fixed, closed mind and where um, we're programmed for the most part. We're constantly programmed. I was talking about this on another show the other day, that even our advertising yeah. is telling us about our limitation. You're not enough. It's constantly telling us Always. what to believe, how to believe and, and, and establishing or reestablishing our limitation. 
So we're working with that when we're trying to expand consciousness and, you know, reach out to other forms in the cosmos that understand yeah. that we are infinite, multidimensional, creative potential. And but that's that part of the planet. That's the human yeah. frequency that's doing that. That's part of this, this whole thing's programmed, not just by anybody, it's programmed by the planet. See, the Schumann frequency holds people in forgetfulness. The Schumann? The Schumann. The, Schumann, the Schumann frequency holds people in forgetfulness. Mm. When people move from spirit realm into the physical realm, physical form, they forget where they've come from. The mm -hmm. Schumann frequency provides that function. The extraterrestrials have also taken the, the Schumann frequency and used it to embed screen technologies in, in contactees. Wow. So that's a whole show as well, Paul. <laughs> and so that's a whole show because that's something that was a question I had. A, a, how do they create screen? How do they wipe your mind so that you don't remember? So, so many contactees, you know, don't remember until they go into hypnosis. Not you guys, but a lot. And how do they create screen technology? So you're saying they take the, wow, that's a whole show. That's yeah, So there's, just before we go, there's, there's five types of screen technologies. Mm -hmm. And those five types are embedded over as an overlay into the consciousness. This is not too difficult to understand. It's, mm -hmm. we, we actually talk about it on our own. And um, it also explains well. why meditation is so important because yeah. that's what elevates us above the human frequency. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Ah, oh, wow, interesting. Okay, because there's been a lot of talk, people have been sh talking about the Schumann frequency, like there's been a lot of activity within the Schumann frequency. Mm -hmm. There doesn't appear to be anything happening physically. I don't know. There's no bombs no, going off or maybe there are. But um, there's been a lot of activity in the Schumann frequency. And Yeah, but yeah, the, difference look at it and go, Schumann, okay. the difference with the Schumann frequency is that Zeta said 12 months ago that there was going to be a cognitive shift for the, for the species. Mm -hmm. It would going to then cause the astral to expand and then the fabric of the astral to move into the physical reality. So now people are seeing blended realities, okay? And on top of those blended realities, they've also got screen memory. So it's, it's not uh, clear for a lot of people actually what's going on, and that's why it takes time. What is the type A, type B, C, D, and E screen memory? How do they work together? to create a reality, a narrative within a person's life. Okay. so I'm thinking well. about something Tannis Halliwell said on the show recently, who's a Canadian spiritual teacher. She said that as we're shifting in frequency collectively, we're moving through the lower densities of the astral. And that's when we're experiencing yeah. a lot of the, uh, you know, corruption and pedophilia and the, the lot of the terrible things that are being revealed now is that we're moving through those lower levels of the astral where, where souls can explore density in, in all manner of ways. Some well, the astral is the creation of the human species. Some call it the hell realms and so on and so forth. And um, Well, it's a collection of every thought that's ever been had. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's why some people think that they're being abducted and they're not because mm -hmm. all they're doing is reliving somebody else's experience in their dream states. A lot of people that are getting dream contact from extraterrestrials are only experiencing what other people experienced in the physical, but that moved into the astral as an image. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wrote about that in some of one of the Kathleen's books, anyway. But there's many, you know, there's many levels and many dimensions within the astral, and um, and yeah. some and some people talk about heaven as an astral, you know, experience, mm -hmm. uh, or the spirit side. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that the language, I think our language 
and uh, labeling. Yeah, like, yeah. I heard you talking about soul versus spirit. And I think that, you know, it's just that we use these labels to try and explain things. And yeah, our language is when we learn telepathic communication or telepathy, as some people have called it, and we have that inner knowing, like when we send that message through empathy, then we have that cognitive understanding outside the limitation. We're very, of very limited. We're very yeah. limited. Yeah. In our communication. But wow, there's so much to unravel. It's been absolutely fascinating. I knew this would be enjoyable. I was so looking forward to it because I was reading that thing last night going, oh, this is so cool. There's um it's just been wonderful. Thank you so much. Sam. I've really enjoyed it. All it's been amazing you guys are amazing and your art is beautiful and yeah, uh, where can people see your art <laughs> where can people see your art uh, there's some of it on our website um i've got a little section on there somewhere i, I don't even know what it's called <laughs> but if you went through the menu the art section <laughs> some of it's on there yeah, yeah beautiful and do you do art specifically for people like do you people say can yeah yeah, 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 gorgeous. And obviously you're still doing healings and facilitations and uh, I think it says in your bio that you're working with many people privately to understand their extraterrestrial paranormal experiences, yeah. a lot mm -hmm. of information on your websites and you run free training sessions to empower people to develop their own natural abilities as well as offering private training groups covering many different metaphysical subjects and occasionally offering public sittings for people to speak with the Zeta beings and spirit people uh, it, it, that you work with. I would love to join one of your sittings when you're speaking with your Zeta family. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, please. I suppose, how do we stay included in that? Put email on your website. Yeah, if, if people want to get in touch about any aspect of anything, just send us an email. It's all on the website. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Thank you again, guys. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Thank you. It was lovely to see you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, MG is all I can say. Oh, my God. What time is it? I've just spent another two hours <laughs> chatting with Cyan and Paul. I, I wish I'd had the recording on for some of what we said, but we kept saying, okay, I'll let you go. You know, I'll let you go. We just kept talking and talking and talking. Wow. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. They're up in um, up the top of uh, Queensland or middle top where it's nice and hot. They said it's 25 degrees up there today. It's freezing here in Sydney. Well, it's not too cold. It's about 17, 18 Celsius. I'm talking Celsius for all the, those people who are still in Fahrenheit. Uh, we talked about so much more. Anyway, so we're going to hatch a plan to get together to maybe talk about more, do some sort of conference a bit later on. Um, yeah, there's just a lot to talk about. So we we were speaking about anyway, physical experience. So the one thing that came out of all that for, for all of us is if you want physical evidence, be careful for what you ask for because you're going to get it. It might be physical evidence like something on your body, physically on your body. But if you want physical evidence, you have to ask for it and they'll give it to you. They'll give it to you just for you. You can show people. And they said to me, I was chatting to them uh, through the mob as I was talking to Paul and they said, you know, you can show people stuff and everybody has their own uh, autonomy to believe or not to believe, no matter what the physical evidence, that's the way the human mind works, right? We are, um, 
skeptical most of us most of us are very skeptical we need to see something to believe it or we need to actually have our own experience to believe anything uh, but if you want physical evidence of um, extraterrestrial beings uh, you know around you whatever ask and you'll get it ask and you shall receive anyway anyway god i tell you what but just so much more was said after that <laughs> I know I shouldn't say this after every show, but we're talking about screen memories and how they um, create screen memories and wipe our minds and all that stuff. But we'll get Paul and Cyan back on the show and um, and we'll talk about more because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, Paul was saying that he trance channels the Zetas, that they merge their consciousness in his body. I said, what happens to your consciousness? It says it dissolves. Unlike many trance channelers that I've had on the show, who are when you're in a trance it means that you're not consciously inside the body hearing and listening to what's being spoken through your mouth and using your brain i'm not a trance channeler when i have communication speaking through me i'm completely aware of what's happening and i'm i'm questioning it and i'm asking and i'm here but trance channelers are not and many like i remember some said they go to another dimension or another place and just hang out i said to paul what happens to yours and he says it just dissolves it sort of ceases to exist i don't really understand that i don't think consciousness can completely dissolve but from his human perspective and obviously when he re-emerges back into the container of his physical body he has no memory of what's been going on which is what a lot of trance channelers have said i'd love to explore that further with him but he has no memory of where he's been it's like he's just been blacked out just blacked out like no dreams no no conscious memory of what's happened during that time his trans channels as it is but and cyan was saying that she's been doing that too but she can only do it for eight minutes because their frequency is such a different frequency to the human body that it really upsets the homeostasis my words not his but the balance of the body and um paul was saying that when he first started doing it he was just vomiting and vomiting and vomiting the body just has to acclimate to the frequency of their consciousness yeah it's just really fascinating stuff fascinating stuff and he was saying that when they physically turn up their frequency the radiation of their body is so different to the radiation of our body that we get sick in their presence and um, again we have to acclimate we have to get used to it bit by bit little by little to be physically in their physical presence yeah i just find this stuff so fascinating so fascinating, so fascinating. Do you like the picture I put behind me? <laughs> kind of scary, but yeah, interesting. Just so interesting. Anyway, those two are fascinating. I want to talk about talk to them again. They're miles away from where I am in Sydney. But um, anyway, it's nice and sunny up there where they are on a winter's day here in Australia. All right, I'm not going to talk too much more. I could say a lot more about what we spoke about, but I'll get them back on the show or into the inner sanctum and and we'll, we'll do more I'll, I'll, I'll get them into the inner sanctum then you can quiz them and um just fascinating big love thanks for listening and watching <laughs> it's been a long show so i'm not going to yak and uh coming into the inner sanctum i have no idea who's coming in you'll check it out on the website karenswain.com slash inner sanctum you'll see the guests oh, i've just secured another conversation with penny kelly she's coming in october august i can't remember what month but i haven't spoken to penny kelly for a while she's been raging online doing her um 
talks and Patreon and yeah, she's, anyway, I had Penny on the show a few times over the last few years, but I haven't spoken to her for a while. So she's going to come into the Inner Sanctum this year sometime and um, yeah, lots of fabulous people. All right. Big love to you all. Remember, check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already and I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. <laughs>